0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen in today for Step Into Your Sunshine. Today, I have a beautiful guest with me, and I would like for her to introduce herself.
1: Hi, my name's Jan, and I am a, well, I wear lots of hats, actually. I'm a mom, and uh, I'm a psychotherapist, but I'm also a spiritual life coach um, working with women to um do what Rachel says, really, help them step into their sunshine, use their voices and be that powerful, amazing woman that we all are. As well as fitting into the world that we live in, not fitting in, but, you know, being in the world that we live in. Yes. How do we
0: prosper and take all the things that we have in the world and become, you know, our truest versions of ourselves?
1: Our own leading lady.
0: Our own leading lady. I love that so much. Yeah. My first question for you today, Jan, is what were some of the defining moments in your life that shaped who you are?
1: Oh, gosh, so many. One of them, I guess, well, probably being at school and never quite fitting in at school and never really knowing why I didn't really fit in at school. Um, And then probably the... The reason I talk about that is that this year I've grown quite a lot and I've looked back and realised that one of the reasons why I didn't fit in is probably because um, I'm very spiritual. And when I say spiritual, I mean very much of the witchy side of spiritual. Um, And that kind of didn't fit with the school that I went to. And also, I strongly suspect that I've probably got undiagnosed ADHD, (laughs) which also makes you not really fit in at school. Um, but other things are things like um, having my first daughter and my first child. I've got four children. But having my first child was a real defining moment um, in my life because there were things that happened to me at school that I knew were not I was not going to let happen to her. Um, bullying, sexual abuse um, in front of the whole class, that was not going to happen to her. Um, so that was another one. Um and actually realising in my forties that I had a, I had a brain. <laughs> I could actually do things. My, I, I, I did my degree in my forties. I was, I got my degree five months pregnant with my fourth child. Um, I got, I actually graduated and that was a big defining moment. Um, he actually came to my graduation, not that he'd remember, but my other three do remember. Um, so that, and that was amazing. That was a really proud moment. And knowing that I'm not academically brilliant, that my academic writing is not fantastic, but actually getting a really good degree and a good enough degree to go on and do postgraduate studies as well. Um, Having been told that I would never, I wasn't allowed to do A-levels at school because apparently I was disruptive. (laughs) So then to get a degree in my 40s, that was a real defining moment for me. Um, And it's pushed me on to be where I am now, I suppose.
0: Wow, you have so many defining moments in your life, and many of them I can relate to, or I have members of my own family that can relate to them, and if you're willing, I'd love to dive into some of them a bit more, mm-hmm. As one thing that stood out to me, the very first thing that you said is that you didn't fit in, and I personally can really relate to that, is in school I always felt like sort of the outcast. I didn't really know why, I felt like I didn't really like connect with the people around me and I'm like Mm. why and for me one of the reasons was was because my mom and my aunt had chosen to take in uh, international children for one summer Mm. when I was about 10 they were from Finland and instantaneously I met them and like my entire worldview changed and I knew at 10 years old that Oklahoma was not the place for me, but I didn't know how to explain it. Like I knew that there was this disconnect between me and every other person around me. And I I struggled with that also because I just didn't understand why people didn't understand me. And I also felt at times kind of isolated, because people wanted me to do things or be a certain way that really didn't interest me. It didn't, I didn't want to go down that path. I wasn't interested in those things. And many times for me, I was told over and over and over again, oh, you'll change your mind. Oh, you'll be different. Oh, that's just a phase. Oh, that's just something different. And, but I knew in my heart that at 10, I was like, someday, I'm gonna grow up, I'm going to graduate high school. Uh, Maybe I'll finish college in the state and then I will be leaving. Mm -hmm. And um, now when I talked to some of my high school friends that I had said that over and over and over again in high school, and they all thought I was crazy. And they're just like, well, look at you now. You don't live in Oklahoma anymore. And for me, I don't even live in the U.S. anymore. And but that was something that was always on my heart, but people always made me feel like I didn't belong because
1: that wasn't what people wanted where I was from. I, th- I think it was, for me, it was more thinking it a completely di- different ways. So not necessarily um, not belonging in the actual place. Um, I was, well, actually that's perhaps not true. I was born in Liverpool and went to school, went to primary school in on the kind of outskirts of Liverpool. Um, if people are listening from the UK, they may have heard of Crosby where the um, Anthony Gormley statues are, the sand statues. Uh, there, that's where I grew up. And then moved to um, West Lancashire School in West Lancashire. And I had, I didn't really have a Scouse accent because we weren't right in the middle of Liverpool or anything like that. But some of the words that I said are quite obviously. And still, still now, Every now and then they come out as as quite scouts. Um, so there was that as well. But it, I, I think I just thought a different way from others. And my mum actually said um, one of the things, my mum doesn't, the only, she's only told me she's proud of me once. Um, but one of the things that she's always said that has that she loves about me is that I've always stood up for the underdog. So if there was somebody that was being bullied or um the example that she gave was my brother had a friend who was, I think was from somewhere in Africa, um, but was obviously a very different colour to everybody else in the school because it was a predominantly white school, um, which is quite unusual, I suppose, for Liverpool, because it's quite quite cosmopolitan, it certainly is now. Um, and she Think she was bullied and 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 I stood up for her and my mum my mum's always said that's one of the things that she was really proud of about me that I would always kind of um stand up and do that and then one of my friends when I did my nurse training so my mental health nurse when I did my mental health nurse training one of my friends actually said to me that one of the things that she liked best about me was that um I called a spade a bloody shovel (laughs) so I didn't sort of mince my words I'd say it straight down the line um and I think that was maybe that was part of it that um you know but and that was and I know for a fact that that came back when I did my mental health nurse training but as a teenager that wasn't there and maybe that's why I felt like I didn't fit because I wasn't actually being who I am that makes Mm. sense
0: I can relate to that, too, and uh, specifically about the one about being more directive and more cut and dry and straight to the point. As uh, for me, I was raised in that kind of environment. So it made like we always just communicated in that sort of way. And then I, you know, opened my wings and flew away from the nest. And I was interacting with people in high school and in college or university and uh, later into like in the beginning of my working life. And. All of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, what's the problem here? I, I'm trying to be very direct with you and just tell you, you know, either what needs to happen or what my feelings are or um, how I came about this solution or this problem or my thought process. And I was kind of met with this isn't supposed to be how women talk to yeah. other people. And I'm like, I, I didn't really know I was really taken back because I'm like, wait. Like well, how exactly am I supposed to talk then? Because um, I was raised in that more direct environment and that was just how we did things. And so uh, I can remember, especially when I was out of university and I had my first job and I had worked through the ranks and I was, um, it was at a retail store and I was a manager there. And I remember one specific day where I, I was teaching somebody th- things about the cash register, which to me was very like straightforward and direct. And like, you do this, you do this, you don't do that. You do this, you do this, and then you do this. If this problem comes, you know, you do all of these things. Um, and about two months later, I learned on that day that the person I was training went back to the back and got upset. And she 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 cried and I felt horrible. I felt... I couldn't believe that I had upset upset somebody so much, and and when I went to talk to her, and I talked to others that had spoken to her, she the reason was was because I was being too direct. Like she felt like it was really forceful, and I wasn't. Like for me, I was going through the process of how do you use this machine? And for her, because I wasn't giving her time to kind of process it and uh, kind of the space that she needed. And that was really one of the first defining times was like, oh, my gosh, maybe I need to change because I'm just too much for people. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a long time like a really long time to actually step into my sunshine and realize that that is one of my superpowers is actually being able to be direct and saying exactly what I mean and saying getting to the point of what we are doing or Mm. how I feel because so many people struggle with actually um, expressing how they feel and their emotions they keep it all locked up inside and that has other effects on their body or um, in their businesses or in their marriage and so I've had to learn to own that personality trait of mine have you yeah. had a similar experience
1: I have um and I think it's coming back now it's it's certainly over the last few years it's it's definitely coming back um I did find that I buried it quite a lot sort of particularly I suppose my sort of 30s and well going through sort of sort of from Probably from my nurse training onwards, because I was just squashed out. I suppose. Um, although I work in the the NHS in, in England in, in Britain, it's it is very corporate. There's you know there's no denying that it, it's a very corporate environment, and you was people were supposed to be a certain way, or are supposed to be a certain way, and um, and I think that get it's it's really easy to get squashed. It's easy to kind of go along with that kind of collective um experience I suppose um so it did get squashed out of me quite a lot and and I but I would still stick up for other people I was re- still really good at sticking up for other people so my kids for instance you know I, I have a memory of going into the t- to one of the teachers and saying and, and I it hit me the other day that actually a lot of the things that I post about um was something that I, I'd stood up, she, there was an afternoon where she, they, her and her friends had said to another girl that she could come and play with them, but they were playing a game at that particular moment in time and that she could come and play with them or she could wait. And then they'd, they'd find a game that they could all play together. And this kid had gone and told the teachers that um, Claire bullied her and pushed her away and stuff. And I, they got into trouble and I, I went in and said, she would come home and said, I have to say sorry to her. So I said, you can say sorry for her feeling that way, but don't say sorry for your actions. Because your actions don't warrant a sorry. You you didn't push her away. You didn't tell her no, you can't play. You said this, you know, you were straight down the line. You told her, this is how it is. I've set my boundaries, and you can, you know, you can, you can either like it or not, <laughs> sort of thing. Um but this girl had got very upset and said they were bullying her, which they weren't. And I went into school and actually said, you know, um, I have told Claire that she can say sorry for this kid getting upset, but I don't think she should have to say sorry for doing what they, for doing what they did, because I don't think that they should have to disrupt what they were doing for somebody else. They offered for her to come in and join them. Um, So I remember doing that but not sticking up for me um for quite a long time but that wouldn't happen now I would and I have recently stuck up for myself and been very direct about it and when I say direct I am a bit of a potty mouth so mm-hmm. I don't sweat people but I will swear when I get quite passionate and I think that upsets quite a lot of people um I do understand though that it like
0: you're talking to another very direct person. And I find when I talk to other direct people, it flows real easy and it's real simple because we're just the same. And yet other times, like you said, you the directiveness makes people uncomfortable and they're expecting you to sort of, what my dad would call, go around the bush and I'm, I'm kind of ease into it. And I'm like, no, let's just get right to the point. And so I can really relate to that where people feel sort of intimidated or uncomfortable or, um, not at ease necessarily. And it leads me back to one of the things you were just talking about was this idea. And I find it more prevalent in women that we feel responsible for other people's feelings. And when you were talking about your daughter and, you know, not apologizing for, um, doing what she was doing the right thing. She was just simply saying, you know, we can do this later or we're going to do this and then, and then we can do that. And in society, a lot of times I find, and I have found that women are more encouraged to just apologize for everything because Uh it's obviously your fault that I feel this way. And I think that is one of the if I will, curses that women have to break out of in society is to not feel responsible for other people's feelings. And I teach this in my daughter too, who is going to be four next month. And one of the things that I do is, um, when it comes to like physical touch and stuff, And kissing my daughter or giving her hugs is I always tried to ask her first because I want her to learn from a a young age that it's her body and she has a choice. When she says no, I don't overstep those boundaries. I say, okay. And, you know, maybe in a little bit. Of time then I'll ask her again if she says yes and then okay then I give her a kiss and this is the same for me like so I'll ask her if I can have a kiss or hey, do you want to give mama a hug or something like that because I'm trying to for her to understand that it's a choice what she does with her body who touches it yeah. when it's touched that that type of thing and I find that sometimes other people don't like that they're like well I should be able to give her especially family members. I should be able to kiss her or hug her whenever I want. I said, but it's her body. Like if she doesn't want to give you a kiss right now, then you need to respect that. I mean, she's four. She'll come back in 10 minutes and give you a kiss if she wants to. Yeah. Um, but I I do stand very strong in that. And one of the other things that you mentioned about um, being sexually abused or being uh, bullied, it, it ties into this. Now, I personally haven't had um, a sexual abuse experience, but I have many in my family and in my friend group that have, and I've seen firsthand with my family members how it's completely broken somebody down. And I knew the moment I became a mother that I needed to instill in my daughter the importance of saying no or saying yes or her autonomy over her own body and that she shouldn't feel responsible for other people's feelings like if she says no to a family member about giving them a kiss and then they get upset then that's their problem it shouldn't be her problem she's only setting Mm -hmm. the boundary and saying no not right now
1: yeah I love that. I've posted about that a few times this week, that we are only responsible for our own feelings. And that if we take on the responsibility for somebody else's feelings, not only are we creating an energy in ourselves, we're also in some ways disenfranchising that other person because they need to take responsibility for their feelings. Um, if they can't do that, then that's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your problem, really to be honest, just, you know, that, I mean, that sounds like a brutal honesty, but it's true. It's that, that, you know, we all need to be responsible for our own, our own energy, our own feelings, our own emotions. Um, And you're not teaching, if somebody, I would say this to, to clients that, you know, if you're taking responsibility for somebody else's emotions or their, their feelings, how are they going to learn? To take responsibility for their own feelings how are they ever going to learn how to manage emotion you wouldn't you know you wouldn't if you, you you've got a, a young daughter you wouldn't constantly tie her shoelaces would you you wouldn't be still tying her shoelaces when she goes to high school you'd be teaching her this is how you manage this this is how you do this so why do we do something different with emotions why do we think take other people's emotion
0: I think that's a really interesting question and something to really dive in and talk about because sometimes I think it's from my perspective being a woman it's also about protecting and yes. especially when it comes to children. It's like, oh my gosh, they've been hurt or somebody's hurt their feelings or somebody's uh something has happened and for them to exert a specific mm-hmm. emotion and you as the mother and me, at least I want to go and uh, put my arms around my child, even metaphorically and protect her uh, from everything and anything. And if that means taking on that emotion, then that's what's necessary to be done in that moment. Yet, I also agree that I, that you have to acknowledge what's going on inside your own body and realize that this is something actually she can handle and Mm -hmm. that she has to learn how to handle.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. As for children, I definitely think that's right. It's a bit like taking it, taking. I suppose as a mum, what you do is take it on and give it back piecemeal, don't you? So age appropriately, if that makes sense. Um, yes. We, we, but I think sometimes we get trapped into carrying on doing that as they become adults, and and with other adults that we come across in in life as well, that we we do that same kind of mothering thing with and it's not always it's not always appropriate because adults should be able to take responsibility for their own emotions
0: yes I 100% agree another uh, reason I think that people may take them on is I tend to have a very empathetic personality. And so when I walk into a room, a lot of times I can feel other people's energy. And if they're feeling stressed or if they're feeling down or if they're feeling happy, it's like all of those hit me sort of like a brick as soon as I walk Mm -hmm. into the room. And... So And for me, it's also, especially if someone's having negative emotions, it's extremely draining. Like even if I'm yeah. coming up, I'm coming in at like a level 10 and they're at like a level one. And the moment I, they haven't even spoken to me yet. It's just being in the room with them. And yeah. I find incredibly draining. And so sometimes I do it accidentally. Like I'd taken on this, uh this emotion of being sad or depressive or stressed or uh, upset or any of those negative emotions. And when I get home, I just feel so drained. Mm. And I'm like, what? what, what happened here? I was so excited when I got into the car. And so I think also knowing ourselves, it's, there's a lot of work within yourself as an individual of, What is causing that? You can feel the obvious difference between being excited about going somewhere and coming home feeling totally exhausted. You need to go take a nap or go to bed. Um, And I feel like it's your personal energy. You have to understand yourself that this is me. I am empathetic. And I know when I go somewhere and somebody has really heightened emotions, I am going to accidentally or you know unknowingly take those on and I'm gonna have to take some time afterwards to sort of cleanse myself of those feelings um, and restart and re-energize myself again because if not then those feelings that aren't even my own are going to carry with me for the next few days
1: yeah absolutely it's one of the questions I get asked quite a lot Um, about being a therapist because I obviously I'm working with people in the NHS I'm working with people who are depressed quite often anxious as well because I'm working with people whose relationships cause their kind of mental health problems Um, and it was something I had to work quite hard on because if you don't you will burn out and that's Mm. that's no good for anybody because it doesn't help you and it doesn't help the clients that you're working with either Um, so it's something that and one of the reasons the the particular therapy that I do um that I'm qualified in that's why we have therapists that's why we we work with therapists while we're training and sometimes afterwards as well um you know I, I it took me six years to get the the qualification that I've got so I had six years worth of therapy and it helps you learn so much about yourself so that you can start to take Hold of your own emotions and hold those as well. And I'm I'm a bit like you. I can walk into a room and get a sense of what's going on around me and pick it up quite quickly. But I get I and I and I can get like that with clients as well. But I'm quite good now at at, at using that and and asking questions to kind of get where that's coming from, and knowing who actually needs to hold this emotion now. Is this me or is this is this yours? You can have but very gently, you know, um, you could have this back, you do, you're right, you do need to know yourself quite well to be able to do that, and that's our responsibility as well, really, finding out about ourselves.
0: Taking ownership, (laughs) of 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 us, like, of our, not only, like, (laughs) us physically, but us mentally, us emotionally, um, and us in our relationships, us us as a parent, you know, there's so many aspects of us that we have to take ownership of. And I love that you've talked a little bit about your therapy because something I also want to put forth into the world and to our listeners to hear is that I also have gone through um, about two years of weekly therapy uh, back in the U.S. And I, I want to open up and talk about that a little bit because I want people to understand that therapy is a good thing. Yeah. that uh, going to therapy changes lives. It yeah. enables you to know yourself so much more than you ever thought was possible. You understand things that have been going on in your life. You understand how different situations relate to each other. that could be years, yeah. decades apart. you could you understand what triggers you, You understand what motivates you. You understand you can, you also Mm -hmm. learn techniques to handle situations when you feel like you're out of control. And for me, when I get really stressed or I get really worried, my body takes on all of those emotions. And so specifically in my pelvic area is it gets ridiculously tight and very difficult for me to like move even walking, stretching, doing any of those things, is I, the more stress and more anxiety that occurs, the more physical pain I actually have. And for me, I always thought before therapy that this was just going to be my life. Like I was just going to constantly live in chronic pain. I was just going to constantly have this. I was in my twenties and However long I had left in life, it was obviously just going to be filled with pain. And it took a lot of work for me to realize that actually, if I handle these emotions or these situations in my life, or actually acknowledge the feeling rather than pushing it away, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And just acknowledging it, let it come in let it come inside me. And, you know, if I'm, abs- if I'm sad for a reason, then let me cry about it. Or if I'm stressed, then let- let's break it apart. Why am I stressed? What can I, what do I have personal? Um, Like what can I personally do about yeah. the situation that will lower the stress level? I mean, there's some of it. Yes, of course, I can't control other people, but what can I control on my own? And yeah. It has taken so much work and so much time and a lot of interpersonal work to get to where I am now. And I know that, um, for example, the situation that's going on with my mom right now that many listeners don't know about, um, my mom is as sick she's been sick for several months she is in the hospital and routinely in the hospital she gets better she gets worse she gets better she gets worse and it is very very emotional for me and of course it makes me sad and upset and I and stresses me out because I don't know what's going to happen I also live in a different country so accessing her is not an easy task for me and I know all of these things And I can feel it in my body. My body starts to tell me you're getting really, really, really stressed out about this and you're going to have to do something that you like. You're going to have to do something or talk to someone or paint something that makes me happy and something that lowers my stress levels and my cortisol levels so that I'm like, okay. My body can relax too, because I've experienced way too many times in my life where if I let it go, then I just have a I have a massive crash and I I can't walk, I can't get out of bed. I, it's I feel it almost feels like I'm dying. I know that that's very exaggeratory of me, but it I I feel like I can't move, like I'm just uh, immobilized completely and. Yeah. And then it takes me weeks and weeks and weeks to get out of that. And so I believe therapy is amazingly healing. I believe that every person should routinely go to a therapy because there's always something in your life or something that's going on that a therapist could help you with. I, they teach strategies. They, they teach so much than people realize and that going to a therapist could quite literally change and transform your life.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and I think what you picked up on there is really important that mind body link that I think we forget that our minds and our bodies are linked um and I and actually I think the healthcare system does in some ways because you know we have a mental health trust and we have a, a, a you know a teaching hospital's trust or whatever in in various different areas um well certainly in the UK um they don't kind of combine. And that's really sad because actually, as human beings, we're whole we're whole beings. We have a mind that connects to our body. And um, in, in Chinese medicine to, has different views about it. And um, I've done sort of I think it's Buddhist meditations where they talk about the heart being king and ruling. But I mean, your heart is where a lot of your emotion comes from. We talk about it being as but you know, part of our heart, don't we? But I think we forget how much if something's going on in our mind, if we're stressed or if we're upset or if we're traumatized, how much that is actually going to impact our bodies. And, you know, what you you talked about, sort of back pain and particularly lower back pain is very related to stress. But there's lots of other things as well. And there's lots of sort of evidence that, you know, I've seen over the years of people being really emotionally distressed and having a flare up in their arthritis or developing an autoimmune condition or even you know I've, I've even worked with people who've had allergic reactions to when they've been really distressed about something um and it is something that you you know that we forget and actually that's something that I do bring into my therapy if somebody is experiencing some sort of symptom I will say um oh really and what was going on around that time in your head Or you know what 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 might you've been thinking about?" or were you particularly stressed? Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think therapy is so helpful to people. Um, like I said, I had six years, um, and four years of that was twice weekly, as well. Um, and it, it is beneficial. You do learn an awful lot about yourself. And you don't, you might not always realise it at the time. I think I think that's really important to say as well that you might not actually realise how much you've learned at the time, but you go away um, and what we might call a consolidation period afterwards it might be sort of six months it might be 12 months later you'll suddenly think oh yeah i know that now because of what happened in therapy or what came up in therapy um or coaching actually it's very similar sort of experience i think for the client so yeah i think it's really important
0: and I, I couldn't agree more. I think that for all of our listeners listening in today, I would love to hear your feedback on have you attended therapy before? Was it beneficial to you? Um, what type of things did you get out of it? And would you recommend it to others to attend? For me, there is no doubt. I would recommend to every person that I meet in the world that they should attend therapy at least once in their lives, and um, because I believe it's life-changing. Another thing yeah that Jan talked on was, um, the mind and body connection. And that was really when I learned it was when I was in therapy and I'm currently reading a
1: book that's called, um,
0: the body keeps the score. Oh Jan, yeah. Have you read
1: that? I haven't, but I have been, it has been recommended. It's quite hard to get hold of actually.
0: Is it? Oh, well, I, I ordered it from Kalia. Oh, did um, so, you? Right. Yes. She might have access to it. Yeah. And so if you don't know who Calia's listeners, she will be on in a few episodes and she is everything books. So if you need a book, we'll get to her. And th- though the book, The Body Keeps the Score is amazing and you should mm-hmm. absolutely read it because I think it would just verify all of the things that you just said and how the body and the mind works and it specifically talks a lot about trauma the book talks a lot about trauma
1: yeah. and trauma how therapist, the it?
0: right the trauma therapist yeah. yeah and how the body keeps the score of the trauma whether that be physical trauma emotion or emotional trauma and for me the my body experience about being stressed is also related to a traumatic event that happened in my life. And so I, my therapist actually had to tell me that I had PTSD from the experience because Mm. I would have never put that label on myself. I would have never thought that that was something I was experiencing because for me growing up in the U.S., most of the time I only associated PTSD with um, Mm. veterans or military Mm. personnel. And so I was quite shocked. Like my therapist almost had to convince me that that was the case because I was just like, no, that that seems way too impossible. And Mm. and I think people also limit their trauma. They think everybody else, you know, there's lots of people in the world that's had worse than me. There's lots of people in the world that um, have lived through this and they don't have any problems. Or, I I mean, so many of those things I've said myself and I've heard countless amount of times. And But what we have to get down to is that our trauma is individualistic Uh and it affects us individually differently. Yeah. And that PTSD for me looks different for me than for anybody else. And just because I, I didn't have military experience which I always associated it with didn't mean that I had, didn't have a post-traumatic stress uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, the, the experience was life-changing and um, and for years, just even thinking about the experience would just put me into like hysterical tears. And um, now, now that I have healed and learned to handle the situation, and if those emotions do start to come up, how to handle them, then I'm in a such a better place, but I would have never thought that was the case for me and I think many of our listeners when they hear um this and they think about their own experiences they might be opened up they might open up to maybe I should go see a therapist maybe they Mm. can change my life maybe there's something going on in my body that's actually associated with the trauma that I've experienced in my life
1: yeah I I agree I, I think that what you said about um only thinking that PTSD was uh veterans or military personnel I think that's that's quite a common commonly held misconception actually um there's quite a lot of evidence about vicarious trauma from frontline staff as well in kind of paramedics and police and and what have you that attend nasty accidents and things but I think that's what people associate it with and also I think what's important to remember is that it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to be diagnosed with PTSD because people can experience trauma with a small T and have, as a, a, you know, an experience, a psychological experience from it. And anything can be traumatising to somebody. It could be, you know, even a small child who desperately wants, or a young child who desperately wants the latest toy that everybody else is getting, that, you know, it's on everybody's Christmas list. And, you know, the things that sell out every year every You know, lots of people are getting and their parent can't for whatever reason. That can be quite traumatising for, for a little one. And I think we we don't necessarily always appreciate that. And if those experiences are cumulative, if that happens quite regularly, then somebody's going to be quite traumatised by that. And they may not necessarily get PTSD. That trauma is still going to cause some sort of psychological problem or a psychological incident, I suppose, in their mind. That can then add up as we go through life you know it could it could be it could be anything really what traumatizes me might not traumatize somebody else you know i can remember being traumatized by the dentist when i was young but other people have really good experiences um and and can go quite happily to the dentist and and other people really traumatized by their experiences or you know i mean it could be it could even be something that's happened in the classroom i can remember all sorts of things <laughs> somebody piercing their ears with my compass and things like that that you know you, you don't know what's gone on in in people's backgrounds um and if if like you say some people might think um going to therapy is a waste of time or it's not necessary for them and they've buried those experiences and they do have a habit of coming back you can bury them for so long but they do have a habit of sneaking up and biting you on the bum when you least expect it your Um, body
0: keeps the score
1: exactly
0: just like that and i think that that is a very important message for people to hear is that at the end of the day trauma is individualistic And that each person has their own set of experiences. And it's not only (coughs) just the experience that was traumatic. It could be um, the childhood. It could be experiences that you had when you were young that built up over time, like you were saying. And then this last one that seems insignificant to you is just the last straw and everything falls apart. And it's important that we remember that our trauma is individual and it just because somebody else has had a worse experience than you doesn't mean that your trauma doesn't matter it doesn't mean that it didn't occur it didn't it doesn't mean that your life wasn't changed from that event
1: yeah and I think that's true. an
0: important message to send out into the world
1: definitely and I think what the Thinking about what you just said, that actually somebody else might have had a a different experience that might appear worse to you and they might not be traumatized. But that doesn't mean that you can't say that, you know, that you've had that your experience is less traumatizing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah
0: so much this is such an important message jan and i feel so blessed to have you on the podcast to talk about this and to bring these kind of shadow topics into the sunshine and let people hear our stories and your experiences and let them know that they aren't alone
1: yeah definitely not alone i think we we think we are don't we sometimes and we kind of there's a, a simon and garfunkel song um what's it called I can't remember what the actual title is but the there's a a line about um I'm a rock I'm an island I can't actually think of the title of the song and and I think sometimes that's what we think we are we think we are that island and we're kind of sat on on the island on our own and don't necessarily and sometimes it's because we don't want to bother people and sometimes it's because you know we feel as if we're a burden and we don't as human beings we don't like to feel like we're a burden um but then we're quite happy for other people to to offload onto ourselves um but don't don't necessarily always think to do it back which is a shame because it should be reciprocal that's what a relationship is and the same you know you you wouldn't necessarily get your therapist telling you all their traumas but you know you do need to tell them everything certainly those things that you it's a bit like i was thinking of it as a bit like kind of peeling an onion we have layers and we we can shed the first layer probably quite easily that kind of skin layer we can shed that quite easily but when we come to the other bits they feel a little bit more and i think the onion one is quite um quite a good analogy actually because peeling onions makes you cry
0: yes yeah. so that that's quite a good, a
1: good analogy. analogy yeah
0: yeah. And going back and talking about the idea of uh, the therapists expressing themselves and sharing some of the uh, appropriate traumas in their life is for me individually, when I had tried everything else under the sun, went to every doctor, tried prescription medication, tried um uh, massage therapy, tried physical therapy. I legitimately tried everything under the sun until my physical therapist suggested I go to counseling. And it was kind of shocking to me because I was just like, this doesn't seem like it could be related to counseling. And I remember the very next thing she told me, which really made my decision in an instant. And she said, the therapist has had the exactly the same experience as you. And all of a sudden I was just a hundred percent open to it. And I think if I had been anybody else, I don't know if I would have gone down the same path, but with the massage therapist sharing that the therapist had a similar experience. And then throughout my time with her, um, her sharing about the shared similar experience really made me understand that the space I was in was not the space I had to be uh, stuck in for the rest of my life and that I could heal and I could move forward and I could become something different than Mm. I was previous to going into therapy. And for me, that really changed my life. So I, I am an advocate for people, for therapists sharing their shared experiences because it makes people realize that they're human too. And it makes them see somebody who's in a different spot than they
1: are right then with that same experience Mm. I think that's quite it for me that's quite difficult because there's a bit of me that goes (laughs) panic panic uh, because that's not what we're taught (laughs) as Mm. therapists to share what we you know our own experiences and I think I guess you have to be there's a line I suppose Mm. you have to be quite careful um, because it's not therapy for the therapist but yeah I get what you mean and I'm I'm I can see how that, that could be really validating, actually, for people to, because I didn't know anything about my therapist. And I did actually, I must admit, I did actually find that quite difficult because I am that sort of person as well. I quite like to know that somebody else has, has had a similar experience to me. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's made me think, actually, about my experience, my own experience, because he didn't say anything about himself so I didn't Mm. know anything about him um I know a little bit more about him now because of the 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 sort of circles where I trained it's quite a small sort of circle um the therapy that Mm. I've worked in so that's an interesting thing to hear actually because actually that like I say that's not what we're taught as a mental health Mm. nurse I probably would have done um right Well, we're, we're all
0: learning here. We're coming full circle where, you know, our listeners are hearing our stories and hearing the stories I've gone through your story, uh, being a therapist, and then, you know, your kind of recollection or your light bulb moment of, oh, you know, this is a little bit different uh, because I'm coming uh, at you from a perspective of being a patient, of being someone who's been counseled before, um, who's been to therapy for years. And um, and I can tell you undoubtedly that I don't believe that I would have gone to therapy had I not known that my therapist had the exactly same experience as I did because I was so lost for hope. um, And I was so convinced that my life and my situation was never going to change. And that I think only somebody who had had a similar experience could have taken me out of my mindset that I was in. And it it was a really profound and powerful experience for me. And quite literally, my decision was made instantaneously. My massage therapist told me and my physical therapist told me and I was just like, Okay, I'm open. I'm open to it. They understand. <laughs> they understand and I don't have to go through all this like telling the same story over and over and over and over again yeah. that I had done with all the other medical uh, personnel that I had experienced up to that point.
1: Yeah. So as a mentor, I would um, <coughs> I work, I offer mentoring for people as well. and as a mentor, I very definitely would. And obviously as a as the the work that I do as a mentor and coach, I bring my therapy into that obviously because I can't switch it off it's just it's part of who I am um and I think particularly because I'm a psychodynamic therapist and you, you, that's there's a lot about the mind and a lot about the stuff that's hidden so obviously that's going to come into everything that I do it's all about the, the sort of the shadow the, the the well in the therapy that I do we would call it the super ego type you know the, the unconscious mind, it's all about that kind of hidden stuff and bringing it forward. Um, so yeah, it has to come into everything that I do. Um, so it's, it's your superpower
0: as a, as a certainly. coach. It's that you have this experience uh, to guide you and you have this knowledge that will help other people in also in their business growth. And yeah. because really, I find, that business growth is also a whole bunch about personal growth. Like the more that you can get in a better state of mind and a more growth mindset, a, you learn yourself better. You know, your money uh, mindset, you understand how you react to things. you know the things that trigger you? You You know, your motivations with your business, you know, you have clear, Concise goals, those are the things that are going to move you forward in your business. And the only way to be able to know that is to actually talk about it. And your training as a therapy is going to help people get to that point faster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, I suppose the other thing, it's not just knowing yourself and knowing what your goals are, it's also knowing where you, you're not going to step, knowing what your line in the sand is, knowing what your boundaries are, knowing when you're going to say no and sticking to it. Um. And uh, that ties in with goals, I suppose, because if you don't if you don't do that, then you're not going to reach your goals. Are you going to get stuck in somebody else's muck? Um, Yes. So, yeah, definitely.
0: That's really important. I have one more question for you before we go. And that is what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their path in life?
1: Find your tribe. I think we often get quite blinkered and we have friendships and we have family and often those people are not the people that you need to help propel you forwards Um, and that's not to say that you need to just walk away from them but find people who you aspire to or that you you know you aspire to their lifestyle or that um, you know are going to kind of hold you where you need to be and keep you moving forward my life changed completely when i found a tribe of women and 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 got into that kind of tribe of women who had my back um who knew where i was going who knew what i was thinking and uh, not necessarily what i was thinking but thought in a very sim- similar way to me and that might not be your friends and your family but actually finding those people i think um are the most important people the people that you almost go ah oh, I don't actually have to explain myself 6 million times before you get me. Um, I think that's what I, for me, that's one of the most important things. We don't always necessarily have that around us all the time.
0: I think that's really important advice because we really don't, we don't always have that tribe of people that lift us up or just understand us. Mm-hmm. And that there is no dollar or euro or pound amount that can buy that kind of relationship and when people just understand you you just feel so validated you still you feel so heard and for me specifically and my tribe many of the many of the people in my tribe come from Moms and Business International Mm -hmm. and when I'm in that group, when I'm talking to those women and when I'm in the mastermind and with Leona, I just feel so seen and so heard. And I am like, yes, this is, these are the people that get me because I only have one friend that is also an entrepreneur that in, in France, just one. And All these other people don't get it or all these people think it's just a hobby or all these people think that, oh, yeah, you know, she's just doing her thing over there. And it's just like a little side hustle. And it's so exhausting to have to explain it to them again and again and again. And so I 100 percent agree when you find your tribe and you are just there and they understand you and you feel validated and you feel heard, then it makes all the difference in the world.
1: Absolutely absolutely a lot of mine come from Mums in business international as well um but yeah and i I get the being in a mastermind with other women as well and you know we need our friends our friends are great but like you said it is exhausting having to explain yourself all the time and once you found your tribe you don't need to do that you can just be friends for a different reason Exactly. And
0: they understand you and they hear you and they know that trying to manage a four year old and run two businesses and have a podcast uh, takes a lot of time. And it's uh, and it's crazy sometimes and it's exhausting. And sometimes my daughter's going to come in during the podcast and, you know, tell me she wants a snack and that's just real life. And they understand. And I don't have to edit it and I don't have to be somebody that I'm not. They're just like, I'm here and I get you and I understand.
1: Yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. And then you can have your friends outside of that for something completely different. And that's a good way of filling up your, your cup so that you've you're always full of energy in all different areas of your life.
0: Yes, absolutely. Jan, thank you so much for being on Step Into Your Sunshine today. I know that we have impacted the world with this conversation. And I know that we are going to start so many conversations around the world with people who may be struggling or people who don't even realize that their physical reactions are related to their mental status and the experiences in their lives. And I cannot thank you enough for being on here. And thank um, you. Please share where we can get into contact with you if you would like to work with Jan or know more about her.
1: So, you can find me on Instagram. I'm very definitely there. Um, just search my name and I will come up the same on Facebook. My profile will come up just with my name. So, um, I also have a group on Facebook which is called um, My Mind's Just gone Completely blank. The Way of the Wild Woman. So you can find me there as well. And all my links are on my uh, Facebook and Instagram profiles. So So now,
0: guys, you need to go and find her. So the next episode will air on June. Oh, goodness, my... You know, I'm having technical difficulties, of course. Um, so the next one will be on June the 22nd. I hope to see you guys all there. And I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts and your
1: wisdom from this episode.